Welcome to the Kansas Shed Dogs Podcast. I'm Gideon. And I'm Danielle. We're two people with a love of the outdoors. We have a passion for shed dogs, shed hunting, and all hunting. We're always on the pursuit to grow, improve, and have some fun along the way. So embark on the journey with us. Today we have a very special guest with us. Patrick is the founder and owner of Shed Peds, the invisible shed stands and wall mounts, and they are the perfect way to display your antler finds. Patrick is no stranger to shed hunting, and he has now added his dog Penny, a chocolate lab, as his shed hunting partner. Stay tuned to hear about Patrick's 2022 season, what he's looking forward to in 2023, and get some tips and tricks from this all-American shed hunter. I just can't get away. Patrick, great to have you on, buddy. We've been looking forward to this one. Yes. Yeah. No, this is the first time I've actually talked to you guys. It's been all, you know, either Instagram or Facebook or texting for, I want to say like two years now, something like that. Man, it feels like longer. Uh, That's, that's crazy. It might be three. (laughs) Well, it's crazy that we haven't actually talked to you. We, we talked about well, I mean, it was kind of a yeah, it was a kind of a bummer that I wasn't able to make it down there for uh, one of the tournaments in the spring, and you know things happen. But you got an open invitation to come shed hunt in Kansas with us anytime, so we'll still make that happen. <laughs> that, that's hard to turn down. Hard to turn down. <laughs> come on down, bring the whole family. Well, especially right now. I mean, man, we got four inches of snow today, and. Before that, I think we had about 20 stacked up up here in uh, Sherburne County, Minnesota, Elk River. So it's not the best shed (laughs) season so far, but, you know, whatever they say. When uh, God closes the door, he opens a window. So hopefully that window is, uh, I don't know, when the snow melts. (laughs) We were supposed to have one to three inches uh, last night and we got a trace and we it was the, gone the this dusting. morning. Yeah. 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 And that's Disappeared it. within the day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There, yeah. You, you said uh, the other day you're shed hunting and like knee deep snow. We were talking about that afterwards. Like, Holy cow. That's, that's insane. Yeah. Makes it tough. Yeah, no, you gotta be hardcore to do this, you know, and most of the guys that I compete with on the ground that I walk, um, I'm mostly permission property, but multiple permission property. Right. Um, you gotta be nuts. You gotta be nuts to go out there when it's, you know, zero degrees and there's 20 inches of snow and you're literally walking up to your knees in snow. If you walk off the deer trail, I mean, if you're on the deer trail after a few days, three to seven days, you can kind of stay in it, keep your shit together. Oh, is this, by the way, is this like PG, (laughs) like open kind of PG? Okay. PG ish. Is that a thing? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. It's probably PG-13 then. Uh, I guess that would be true. <laughs> wouldn't it? All right. We're good to know. Good to know. All set limit. <laughs> um, we have to do the same. <laughs> Sometimes it slips out though. You're good. Yeah. No, I'm getting used to it, you know? So, um, yeah. So it's, it's just, it's a very challenging thing going out there and competing with all these other guys and walking in knee deep snow and you got to be crazy hundred percent. You got to be crazy. And, but that's the only way you're going to find something special. You know, it's the only way at least this point in the year in the early season up here where you're going to find something that's truly like remarkable. So that's why we do it. Yeah. Makes it worth it. For oh, sure. Yeah. And I always say normal is boring. So if you want to be normal, you can be sitting yeah. on the couch, right? Yeah. Well, you can sit on the couch and watch the Vikings up here lose again. when they almost <laughs> make it the Super Bowl once again. Uh, or you could be like me and ditch the game while everyone's sitting on the couch and, you know, be crazy and try to find something cool. Yeah, so, absolutely. The only bummer about that yeah, is um, I can't bring Penny. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the early season up here, yeah, what I've realized over the past couple of years after she's been trained and walking with me is that this early season stuff is just too cold. She uh, She can't walk. Without lifting her paws up, you know they make uh, is it the mushers? Um, yeah, I think the brand is mushers. It's basically like a chapstick for paws um, that keeps their paws protected from ice and snow and salt on the roads and whatnot. But 
even then we put it on and it's, you know, zero to 10 degrees up here. She can't last more than 20 minutes. Well, not only that, like how hard would a dog have to work in that? Like you're, you're talking a couple foot of snow, like, man, that dog's gonna get tired quick. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, she's two and a half now, so she's still got a lot of energy. I mean, we went out the other day when it got above freezing for a change here and, um, she did pretty well, you know, she, she stays on the deer trails and she tries to stay out of the deep stuff. Um, but even in the deep stuff, she'll go even farther than I can. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're, uh, we were told that she is the best squirrel killing dog in the state of Minnesota. Would that be true, Patrick? Of the country, actually. (laughs) The country, I would say. That's incredible. (laughs) Well, I mean, she's killing more squirrels than she's finding sheds, but I mean, I want to get rid of the squirrels too, so... I guess it's a win-win for me. Hey, you yeah, you're, you're protecting some sheds, right? Each time she gets one, that's one one that can't be chewing on a nailer. That's right, man. Like my decal says, you know, save, save a shed, shoot a squirrel. Yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah. No, I think she, yesterday or Sunday, she killed three in a day. And she normally kills one, like, one every other day. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> Dude, that's a lot of squirrels going down. I know. I had a buddy that lived with me for about six months that, you know, kind of dabbled in the notion of cooking these things. I'd never eaten squirrel. You know, I feel like I'm a little bit above that (laughs) every day, but squirrel, I'm like, I don't know, man, I've never eaten it. So I'll tell you what you cook it up and, uh, you know, make however you want and I will eat it for sure. And he moved out before that could take place. So okay. I had six frozen squirrel carcasses fully skinned <laughs> and I didn't know what to do with them and I didn't care that much so I tossed them. <laughs> I feel like that's a deep south thing, right? Eating squirrel. I mean, you know, you gotta do what you gotta do. I'm sure it could be tasty if it's cooked in the right way. Right? I mean, but... Yeah, I, I mean, know, if you... Buck up and do it. The doctor up anything, it can taste all right, I think. Fried or something. Yeah, I don't know how they cook squirrel. I've never had it myself. Yeah, no, I I mean, things of varmint. Like, I used to think they were cute and silly and they got bushy tails and stuff, but then when Penny started killing them and, you know, it's biting her lip with their front, like, beaver teeth, I'm like, God, this thing's <laughs> a, a freaking rodent. Um, so, yeah, she is definitely... Uh, number one in the country for killing squirrels. <laughs> I think so. She's a, she's like fifty some plus now. That that's impressive. <laughs> now I'll always enjoy yeah. your videos. They crack me up. Yeah. No, well, I mean, we've got only two point eight acres where I live, but uh, it's kind of just open area, the most open in the neighborhood. And it's like fifty homes, and each home has about I don't know two and a half to three acres right by the Elk River um, where we live in it's surrounded it's fully surrounded by oaks and we got the feeders out right behind the deck in the backyard and they all just congregate there especially when i feed the deer in the winter right sure i'm putting corn out there and they'll just pile up and what happens is the snow gets so deep i have to snow blow a trail which takes me like an hour to do <laughs> snow blow a trail from like the back of the house all the way to the backyard where the deer eat and back and it's like 20 inches deep. So these squirrels don't know that Penny's like running down the trail to get them. She turns around the corner. You know, I kind of bust a 90 degree corner where I plow and all of a sudden, bam, there's like 15 squirrels right in front of her face. So she has like a full squirrel buffet (laughs) and there's nothing they can do. So that's hilarious. Yeah. Uh, random thought there. Uh, do you feed corn throughout the winter or do you change up winter feeding at all? Uh, well, it's a whitetail mix with a feed shop here locally. Um, it's not just corn, it's oats and grains and a bunch of other things, you know, sort of a roughage mix. Gotcha. Um, last year when I started using alfalfa bales that, that seemed to attract more deer out here. Um, just because they've got that you know, that green roughage to mix in with their digestion system. Mm-hmm. So I haven't done that yet this year and I haven't really cared that much. I mean, we got the new girl, new baby here and I've just been, you know, totally 
that hasn't been busy. top priority. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, by yeah the we way. wanted to bring that up. Uh, uh, three three months old, correct, Gwen? Yeah, and, and congrats, to you guys. It's um, Everly. Yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and so, when did you give birth, Daniel? November fourteenth. Okay, so yeah, that was almost a month after um, my wife Carly did. Yeah. So yeah, we're in the same boat, except you got an older one too, and I forget he or she's name. Oakley. Yep, she's a girl. Yeah. So, girl dad times two. Yeah. Oh man, that's probably what I'm in for. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way things go here, I guess. It's fun, but uh, congratulations, and uh, we're very happy for you and Carly. Yeah. Yeah, how's life adjusting to the new baby? Uh, well, it's it's a different pace. It's a way different pace. I'll tell you that much. I mean, I've always been a go getter, and like I'm always uh, kind of racing the clock as far as not just work, but you know, time you have in your life. So when she showed up, it was just. I, I was fortunate enough to have three months paternity leave at my company. Like that's, I think a rarity these days. Um, but yeah, that's pretty awesome. It was, yeah. Yeah. Um, it's six, 60% pay, but, um, you know, shed pads helped out, right? So yeah. out there buying those, but you, you definitely contributed to the moments and memories in our, our daughter's life and ours. So, um, it was, it was great. You know, time just didn't exist. Um, you didn't have to wake up at, well, I wake up at 4.30 to go to work, and that wasn't a thing. We just kind of got up and went to sleep when when our baby girl Gwen did, and we just kind of went with the flow, you know, um, and it was really kind of a special time. So everything is great here. I can't wait to, you know, actually uh, bring her out in the woods and go for hikes as a family with Penny and Carly and Gwen and, you know, just enjoy nature and find some antlers with my baby girl. And thank you, by the way, for the, uh, the onesies. No no problem. She she looks so cute. Those the other day. Yeah. (laughs) Totally. So, so yeah, uh, definitely changes. I I like how you word that the pace of life. Uh, like I like how you worded that a lot, but, uh, yeah. Memories to be made just different than they were before. Yeah, definitely. I mean, being uh, single parents, I don't know if you guys knew, but we had to go through in vitro fertilization to have her because um, we had some fertility issues and it took like five years. It took a big toll and, you know, we spent the money and just, just went for it. And when it happened on the first try, um, we were just blown, blown away. What know? a blessing. Now she's, yeah. Yeah, totally. Absolutely. And it's changed our lives for the better because, you know, now we have a family, like a real family, not just, I could say Penny's not family, <laughs> you know, but, um, have our baby girl Gwen is, uh, it's just, I don't know. It's awesome. So. Yeah. Someone to share all your moments with. Yeah. Absolutely. Cool. Yeah. Well, congratulations again. When yeah, will it you. be warm enough to be able to get out in the woods as a family? I have no idea. I mean, (laughs) so, I mean, you guys have two kids. Well, the first one, let's say, um, what, what was the name again of her? Oakley. Oakley. Okay. So at what age did you guys bring Oakley out for the first time? Like for like your first sort of walk with the dogs and whatnot. Do you remember? Yeah, prettier. I mean, uh, I think like five or six months, like we were strapping it was her, her first on. first shed season, yeah. Sure, sure. Yeah. So, I mean, she was just sleeping. Uh, trying to keep her asleep was kind of the name of the game, actually. Yeah. But we now, still have her first shed that she found. She found. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I found when she was strapped <laughs> to me in her room. But we're fortunate enough that it's a little bit nicer weather out here, so we can bundle her up a little bit yeah. earlier in the well, season. That- that probably be the same for us, you know. I mean, she's about three months now. She'll be three months in two days. So come March 21st, which would be five months old then, um, yeah, I mean, that's what my dad and I call a meltdown here. Um, it's like a game changer. You know, up here it's it's hard and it's kind of ruthless with the snow and the cold. Um, but then there's like almost like two seasons of shed hunting up here. You got the first one where, um, 
you got to be a badass, you know, you got to be ready to go. And regardless of conditions, the worst conditions, the better actually, because there's less competition, um, for walking and finding them. But, you know, come into February and March when it starts to warm up, it finally is in like the thirties for like the norm or maybe even the forties. Um, yeah, that's probably we're going to, when we'll get uh baby girl out there and, you know, she'll find her first shed with mom, I guess. So there you go. Let's hope. Yeah. yeah. So that's interesting that you kind of say you have two different seasons. Um, what percent of your sheds do you think you find in that first, uh, first segment or first season? Um, well, as far as numbers go, yeah. like last year was our top for, for us. Um, for, well, for me and Penny, for sure. We found 60 total. And remember, we don't have land. Like we have, I've never found a shed on my property. I'm still waiting for it. So the funny thing about Minnesota is that it's kind of a brown and it's downstate. Like they don't really, in my opinion anyway, um, the DNR does not regulate the whitetail population like it should. Um, they don't let the deer grow up old enough, big enough, mature enough. So you have to find specialty properties to find big antlers up here. And I'm fortunate enough to have that knowledge passed down from my dad, who's been doing this for 30 years. You know, he's 68, so he started at 28. So I would say I find more in quantity after what we call the meltdown when the snow finally subsides. Okay. Um, in numbers, just because it's simply because you can walk farther, you know, up here, like when you're walking in snow, that's two feet deep. You got to imagine like even in snowshoes or, uh, you know, if you don't have a snowmobile and you're out there finding the easy ones, picking them off, I can only get maybe three miles. Sure. And, and that's going to take me three hours. So an hour, a mile, but when the snow has gone, I mean, you throw in the light, you know, hiking shoes or whatnot, and you're going to crank out maybe 15 miles a day when you're really going for it. So your odds are just better in that way because you're covering more ground. Sure. Um, but when it comes to early season, what I found is a trend up here at least is that the bigger bucks, like the five to six, seven, eight, nine-year-old bucks that I found sheds to, um, they drop early. Okay. Drop like early January, early February, and that's been the trend of the window up here. So it definitely so pays my, to go early season. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. Like you're gonna. I would rather find one eighty-inch shed after three hundred miles of walking than sixty, fifty-inch minus sheds. You know, just because you got to keep striving for that number, you know, <laughs> in, in, at least for me, it's in size. Like numbers are great as far as how many you find, but like, I'm always trying to top that, you know, that next measurement. Huh. Um, okay. So what's the biggest shed you've ever found then? Uh, well, the biggest, I found two enormous sets, at least for here, um, standards here last year. Uh, one set was 147 gross without spread. And then the other one was 149 gross without spread. And those were found both as sets together in the same field with binoculars within a hundred yards apart. Awesome. Wow. That had to be a and heck that, of a day. Oh dude. Yeah. You can imagine. <laughs> and, and we've had my dad and I have both had sheds to both of these bucks for I think the last five years. So, I think one of them might be seven and the other one is definitely at least six. So, you know, for, I don't know, Minnesota rifle land standards, that's, uh, that's something to be proud of. And it was just, it was just one of those days where like, um, you know, the stars align, luck finds you, whatever. I was actually out walking and I thought I saw something in the field and it turned out to be a dirt comp in the end. Okay. But it still got me <laughs> out there. Like Been there. check that out. No, I, we, we can go here. We can walk here. I got to check that out. So I walked out there and all of a sudden I see another guy's boot tracks, like fresh boot tracks. Like this guy was literally in the woods that I was in at the same time in a different place. Wow. 
and I glass the field back to this like dirt clump that I found. And all of a sudden I see five tips, you know, 10 tips, sorry, you know, um, sticking out of the snow, maybe an inch. And I was like, dad, I got something here. I'm coming back. And I grab them, pull them out of the snow, you know, lift them up. It was like, Holy crap. Like this is, <laughs> this is the biggest buck we found last year. And now we found them this year. And it was just really cool. One side was 72 and three eighths and the other side was 75 and three eighths. Wow. So 75 and three eighths is the biggest, uh, gross shed I've found. Those are very nice antlers and to find them yeah. together. That's, that's just incredible. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And you said you found that buck, uh, in past years. So question yep. for you, how far, were they in 2022 compared to where you found them in past years? Were they pretty close to the same area? Um, measurement wise or like area wise, area wise, like in, um, in the field you found them, like how far away would they have been in years previous? Half mile. Okay. Yeah. And that was the same situation in the four or five years past that we found the same bucks antlers. So, as far as where they winter, like when you find a buck, um, and it's a special antler, it's going to be in the same proximity the following year, as long as nobody screws it up and doesn't push them out. Doesn't change their routine. Yeah, no, I mean, we've got, um, you know, sheds upon sheds of bucks that have shed year after year. And in most cases it's been, I want to say the farthest one away um, year after year that like myself or my dad had found was probably a mile, a mile. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then as far as the, the timing when they shed, um, two years ago, uh, let's see we had a trail camera set up and we were watching this one buck, this nice four by four, probably. Yeah. He's about 145, 150, And he dropped one antler and I think someone else found it because I never did. But the date that the trail camera captured that photo, um, was a week earlier than the date that I found his other side. Um, which was fresh. I mean, like it was on his head that morning on the camera and I found it that afternoon. <laughs> That's so cool. As, as far as like how long they can hold another side, if one drops, the longest we've experienced is one week. Okay. Okay. Well, it sounds like this is uh, shed hunting is something that you share with your your dad, which is really cool. So I was kind of curious when did you when did you get into it? What what year did you say you uh, drank the Kool Aid and became hooked? <laughs> Uh, five years ago, um, you know, my dad brought me up, um, gun hunting, bow hunting. Um, I was always kind of like, uh, a rebel and I didn't want to hang out with dad when he was shooting the bow when I was in my later teen years. And I didn't have time for that. I was in a freaking punk rock band and I was out there on my BMX bike and I, I was like, dad, this is boring. You know, leave me alone. Um, <laughs> like a teen would, right? right? Oh, totally. You know? Um, so if you got a kid out there that's a teen, like, and they're into what you're into, like you got something special. So we'll hold on to that. Not of advice. Um, but yeah, but I, I got back into it after I settled down, like, uh, in my mid twenties, I think it was crap. I think it was like 25 before I actually arrowed my first buck. Um, even though my dad had brought me up since I was 12 shooting a bow and I was very good with a bow all through those years and just archery. Um, but my dad and I have always had like a special sort of whitetail connection. Like that's, that is our connection is, is whitetail. Um, and he had me out for, I think four years walking to properties and he'd always had some luck. Um, he'd find a, you know, a decent one, maybe, you know, 50 inch, we call it a 50 inch mark. Like that's a shed, you know, Sure. I mean, you can pick it up. It's got a little bit of weight to it and whatever. And you, you know, it's a three year old at least at that point, probably. But he had this 
special spot in mind. And I was in like a funk. Like I was, I had a really bad day at work and I, like, I was honestly just depressed. I was like, I don't want to go, you know, whatever. We're going out. And we went to this like top secret spot that he has. Right. Of course. And, um, he's like, go up this way. I bet you'll find something up there. And I'd never found one before. You know, I'd never even, I've seen sheds obviously. Cause he had a collection in his basement. You know, his walls are all over the place with them. But, um, I found this, uh, the 74 and a 74 and a half, uh, seven point side. That was my first shed. Wow. I picked it up <laughs> and I was like, Holy crap. Like, it felt like a beam of energy, like went through my body, like some sort of miracle occurred. And you know, you just have this intuition where it's like, this is amazing. And like right away I looked down and I didn't even realize it cause I'm such a noob at finding these. Right. Um, there's another one, a match set right next to it. That was and your was first find. First find. Wow. First find was like a 145, just amazing dark chocolate, like I'll have to text you a picture of it or something. Cause that was honestly what started this entire thing with my obsession. Um, and I mean, how can you, how can you deny that? Right. I mean, yeah, how do you, you go back like from that? that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And my, my dad had already found probably, I think at that point he was probably up to like 70 or 80 sheds. Like he didn't do it all the time, but it was a hobby of his. And when he, you know, after I found him, I called him, um, cause he was not more than you know a few hundred yards away and he walked over. I had him behind my back, you know, I was hiding him and I was like, check this stuff out. Like, he's like, what? like, whoa, <laughs> like no way. And you know, we had this moment we hugged and he's like, he's like, yeah, bud. I'm like, it's like picking up a miracle. I was like, hell yeah, it absolutely is. And, I stared at those antlers for like days after that. Right. I mean, I was just like, you know, people joke about like bringing your sheds to bed and stuff like that or whatever. But it was like that moment where, um, it was just such a special, special, I don't know, experience. Absolutely. That I just wanted more of it. That's why it's addicting. It, it is addicting. And that's a, I mean, heck of a fine to start off. Yeah. That sure beats the first shed that I found. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> was so it was e- essentially like a spike that was chewed up by uh, squirrels. Yeah, there's hardly anything left. <laughs> so, what was the feeling? What was the emotion or feeling that went through your mind at that point? Then it was still excitement. You, I mean, it was still right? finding something that we were searching for. So, right, I can't even imagine what it felt like for you finding that set. Yeah, yeah, it's incredible. No, I mean. I, I think a lot of it has to do with, um, so I'm a, I'm a big believer in manifestation of reality and connection with God. Okay. So I firmly believe after all I've been through that you create your reality in relationship with God. Like it's almost as if you can ask what you want for and it will appear in front of you if you, truly believe enough that it will. Yes. Um, and that was one of those moments that was one of those moments where it really clicked for me too, because I, I honestly dreamed about it. Like it, you know, I can't really fathom the perception of the antlers, like the shapes and sizes, but there was a dream I had before that moment that I wasn't like, I was almost in like a dream state conscious, but unconscious, like creating my reality within the dream, like a lucid dream or something. And to have that occur in front of me, like was a, was a, a leap of faith for not just like my shed addiction, but my life as well. So, I mean, that's why I'm so passionate about the hobby. Like it's just, it's one of those things where you chase something and um, you just dream about it. And all of a sudden when it's in front of you, if you have the gratification to appreciate it, then you're only going to receive more. Right. And I'm truly like, I'm all about that. And that this hobby, you know, shut on teams, unlike any other, because 
you go out there and you take photographs of the bucks you'd like to find sheds to, or you like to kill, you know, rifles, shotgun, bow, whatever. Um, and I think a lot of the guys that go out there and they don't have any luck, they think it's like, well, well this sucks, you know, oh, what's up with this? Why does this guy get this? But they're not, the problem with that is like, you're not appreciative of what you've already been given. Right. So how yes. can you get more if you're refusing to already appreciate what you have? So I'm not trying to get like theological or whatever. Um, um, but yeah. So no, I, yeah, I, I like that perspective a lot. Yeah. You can't see uh, us here, but we're, in, we're <laughs> in the studio nodding like, yes, yes. Right. I know you guys are, I know, you, you know, great minds think alike. It's the law of attraction. Like you're going to be like other people like you. You're going to find other things, um, that, that you're attracted to. It's the hardest part about getting out of that sort of depressive state where you think everyone is like after you, or you think the world is the problem or someone else is to blame is you just have to be self accountable for your own actions and thoughts. You know I mean? So 100% cause you can't control what a lot of the world does, but you can control like your actions and your thoughts uh, totally. and how you respond to certain situations. Totally. And you know, when I was younger, I got into a lot of trouble. I was a, a bad, reckless teenage kid <laughs> and I got arrested and I was in high speed police chases. I'm not kidding you. Like I would stab my ex-wife. Like there was a lot of things that happened in my I guess you could call it previous life, like two seasons, right? Um, that finally came to a head in my mind in uh, my early 30s. And that's when I realized, like, you create reality. You control your emotions. If you can control your emotions, then you can create reality. So, I, I agree with you yeah. 100%. Yeah. Anyway, that's... That, that, Maybe you went deeper than we should for just talking about <laughs> bones in the ground. No, I like, I like deep diving into stuff. That's fun. Yeah. So how long after you found that first set did you start your company, and how did that all come to be? Um, well, after I found that set, like I, um, I wanted them to look just like I would imagine them if I had ever seen the book, because I'd never seen this book before, you know. Um, so I'd lay them down on the table and be like, wow, this would be such a sweet deer to kill with my bow. You know, this would be so cool. And, um, I think I came up, I came up with the concept of like basically the, the stand up stands themselves. So the tabletop stands and, um, a guy at work cause I work in, uh, printing fabrication, graphic design. I've been doing that stuff for like over two decades. So I have a very creative mind and I work with a lot of people that also do, and they're very, very talented at, you know, what they do. And, uh, one of my buddies who's a deer hunter, um, was like, why don't you make them out of acrylic? I was like, that's a great idea. Cause they would look like they're floating. You know, we don't have to drill into the antlers. We don't have to, you know, fabricate anything crazy. We just make them to the right heights out of acrylic, which is clear. You know, it's not glass. It's not going to break. You're like a, you know, cut your foot open. Um, so that's what we did. So I made a bunch of different sizes. I think it went from three inches to eight inches at their top height and in half inch increments. Um, and then it took off from there when we went to Minnesota Deer Class. I think it was 2019, 2018. Um, and I just was like, this is great. Like, People are going to love this because you get to, you get to envision what this deer would look like or, you know, what you already knew what it looked like, but it's, it's not just sitting there in a closet in a, a bucket. It's not sitting, you know, on the table where no one can actually appreciate the beauty of the antler. Um, and that was kind of like what I pushed as far as like the marketing and, you know, why this product is cool. And then after that, um, I realized that, Hey, we can make these into wall mounts. There's actually a guy, a friend of mine, um, Travis Madison. He sent me like a, it was a rough 
it was a really roughly done um, product, very similar. And I had like a brainstorming moment with my wife and a friend of mine when I was like, well, why don't we just hook it out and make it completely clear? We'll laser cut it. We'll heat bend it. You know, we'll, we'll make it into something that you don't have to do any work besides screw one screw into the wall and bam, you know, your antlers on the wall and you can look at, look at it every day and appreciate it. So we did that. And then, um, I was like, well, I mean, there's a lot more antler fanatics out there than just whitetail. So we made it a little bit larger, more sturdier for mule deer. And then we went to elk and we went to moose. Um, you know, my wife finally convinced me to do a new laptop this year. So I can finally do some more designs. It's been a little bit of a hiatus. So we don't have, um, like a moose and elk one, uh, to display, but some that I thought was, a create like the uniform fit on like no matter the size of the white tail antler like it, it seems to fit in there and they're super strong like we have one yes. over our changing table like we trust it to uh right over our baby's head uh and don't have a concern in the world because they're they're built right uh but i always thought it was interesting like how how uniform like different sized antlers like fit into your your base model uh very well yeah, no, I mean, I, I mean, like I said it before, like I'm a, I'm an artist with graphics, right? And so it kind of came natural to me. There were, there were some, you know, prototypes, um, before I got the perfect little sort of fit and structure, but I didn't want to make it too bulky to where it took away from the antler. Like you wanted to look at it on your wall, like you don't see anything but the antler. That's the whole point. Yep. And, you know, there's other products out there that have tried to copy this, um, design, um, with either metal or wood or cables or whatever, but it just doesn't have the same sort of look because I don't want to see that crap. Like that, that was the point of my initial design is like, I don't want to look at wood shed stands. I knew they were out there. Um, but I didn't want to see that. I wanted to see just the antler. That's all I want to see. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, yeah. Now, you know, now it is where it is and hopefully uh, I can get my, get my act together and get some, maybe some skull mounts created this year, some larger elk mounts because I didn't realize how big and girthy elk sheds really get. So <laughs> a lot of customers saying like, Hey, uh, you got something bigger? <laughs> and, Good problem to have. Yeah. 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 So yeah, I think that would be, I mean, difficult because they can be so long. So, like, to balance one of those properly inside a mat, like, I feel like that would be, that'd be tough. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I mean, obviously I don't hunt, hunt elk here, right? Uh, there's, like, a, a very minimal herd in, like, the northeastern corner of Minnesota, and that's about it. So, I had to purchase them on eBay and research, you know, what size is average and figure out, um, from there when I got them, what would work best? And, you know, I think I got it pretty well dialed, but we, we could do better. I mean, like the point of having the company is always evolving. If you're just going to sit stagnant, then that's where your finances are going to stay too. So absolutely. You know, and, and it's a generation of, you know, following and, um, influence. So, yeah, I, one question that pops into my mind just because from a business a aspect, I'm interested. How much testing do you have to do before you have a, a model that's ready for sale? I mean, as far as just like one specific product that I create. Yeah. So like, well, just go with your first one, like your, your base model that you came out with, like how long did you test different designs before you had your right fit? I mean, before I figured it out, um, probably about a month, you okay. know, but that was not just me. That was a lot of different creative friends in the same picture. You know, they, they were helping me. So I gotcha. Yeah. I was yeah just curious on that. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, going back to shed hunting, do you have any goals for the 2023 season? Yeah. Get Penny out there. <laughs> <laughs> Cause she's been in the house. She's gone out. Um, I, I think she's only gone out once with me this year. 
um, twice. No, sorry. But the one I found while we were out, Carly and I and Penny, we, you know, my sister lives not far from us. So she was, um, generous enough to watch our baby girl while I finally got Carly out of the house after, I think it was like four or five months. She hadn't been out like on a hike or, you know, done anything outside. Um, it was a hanger. So of course, Penny couldn't find it. <laughs> the hangers are tough. I, yeah, that was the first one I've ever found. I think I'm up to you know, mid one, 100, so probably like 150 now. And I was, I don't know, it's pretty weird, weird moment looking at that. Yeah, 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 they're unique uh, from the dog aspect. Like, did you see the antler we just found on the hay bale? So was that, was that legit? Yeah, like, yes. yeah, that was legit. Like, that antler literally shed. Like, I was like, "There's no way. There's no way that that buck shed an antler like right on the top of the hay bale." When you said it was the first one or whatever. So I think a coyote drug it up there, right? Because <laughs> uh, like coyotes will chew on antlers, move antlers, and I've. Seen them lay on hay bales. So, I mean, that's our thought that a a coyote had that and brought it up on the hay bale. But it was bizarre. I'd never had one like that before. That is a crazy find. Yeah. So which dog was it that found it? So we got Boone out to find that. Um, And we have a little video there. And we're talking about how how difficult of a shed that was. Because like early season, like they're still knocking off the the cobwebs. Uh, And then also like... There was no wind. And so like the little bit of scent that that antler was given off was going above the dog too. So I just just had different levels of complexity on that one. So that that was fun. Yeah. I mean, that that's a, I don't know if you're going to find a more unique uh, shed find than that. That's crazy. Well, you guys have three trained dogs. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Boone, Caliber, Sadie? Correct. Okay. So which one is the best as far as like they're not, not competition wise, but like in the field, you're going out, finding them. I mean, is there one that's better than the other? And why do you think that is? Who would you say? I mean, Sadie's picked up the most. She's just our, like the oldest dog. So she's more, more seasoned. I think she, sure. Like early on, uh, like, knows it's game time more um yeah i don't know she's been through it more but caliber's starting to give her a run for her money she's got a good nose on her and she does really good wild shed hunting yeah and she was a knucklehead to train but like she's just a warrior like she just keeps going and like we'll all be dragging butt and tired and like that dog just just keeps on going and picking them up so um, unlimited energy so boone is a male yeah yeah Right. And Caliber and Sadie are female. Correct. So yeah. do, you th- do you think there's a difference in your opinion on um, which sex of dog is better at shed hunting? Or do you think it doesn't matter? It's a good question. I don't think there's a difference. I just think Boone's our youngest, so he has the least amount of experience. But sure. I mean, as a young pup, he was, he probably caught on the quickest, the youngest when we were training. Uh, yeah, would you agree okay. with that? Yeah, I would. I will say male dogs marking is, is a buzzkill when you're yeah. shed hunting because you'll come across, sure. uh, I mean, deer poop, coyote poop, and they just, they got to mark every single one of them. There's times well, where females, though, are out there acting like they have to pee several times true. as well, though, so. Do any of your dogs have a problem with eating deer poop? Oh, yeah. All of them. They love it. Yep. Okay. I'm not the only one. <laughs> no, it's frustrating. I'm like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like we're here to find antlers, not the crap. Like keep focused. <laughs> so we were out this weekend and I had our two year old Oakley with me. Uh, and apparently I had said that multiple times. Like, hey, don't eat deer poop. And she started repeating me. She said, no eat deer poop. <laughs> so, uh, the, yeah, that was a, a common phrase this weekend. Might be, uh, maybe my daughter's first words. <laughs> um, so 2023, do you have a, a goal for, uh, like number of sheds or I know you said you're, you're always trying to find one bigger. Is there, is that yeah, 80 no, inch as mark? As, your... as far as the numbers go, I, I cannot compete with last year. Like last year, I don't know if I'll top that. 
you know, anytime soon. Um, because I went from around mid thirties the year before to 60 and I worked my butt off to get that. And Penny was out there. I think she found Penny brought in, I think 16, but to be fair for Penny, she didn't find the, she had no opportunity to find the first 30 because of the cold and the snow. Gotcha. Um, so she, she was my, my half finder. Um, the second half of the season up here. Um, so with the baby girl and I got a new job. So it's a Monday through Friday gig, you know, last year I had a, a 12 hour shift. We didn't have a kid. So I was working three days a week and then I had four days a week off. So three of those four days a week minimum, I was hiking five to 10 miles every single day of those days um, from January 1st to the end of March. Thanks. So I was, I'm, I, you know, I didn't track it obviously, but I was somewhere between, I don't know, 350 and 500 miles on wow. the boots. Wow. And Penny was, you know, at least double that, you know, she had to have been a thousand miles. Yeah. With how much she runs compared to how much I walk. Sure. So, yeah. That's year, a lot of miles. Goal, oh yeah, dude. Like it, it's first competition where I'm at, you know, we're, Sherman County, Minnesota is the 10th. Uh, I think we're ranked number 10 as far as like scale of antlers go in the state. we got 87 counties in the state. So we're, we're up there. We're not like Houston County down, you know, by the Wisconsin, Iowa border, but we got good gear. Um, but this year I really want to just focus on finding my biggest antler. And the book that we have had just do for the past five years, I know where he's at. Um, I got tabs on him and I, I have another buck in that same area. And last year, you know, he was, uh, 75 and three eighths. I think the series is going to crank 80 each side because he went from a five by five with split brows to a six by six with split brows. And he's got, um, burr points on each side and a kicker off one side. So he's 17 points. And the math on this deer is insane. Like he's, he's, uh, he's over 19 inches of mass wow. on his main beam. Um, the, the largest I've ever found was 20 even. Um, and that, you know, it's just insane to hold an antler up. It's, uh, yeah. it's just a, just a thick, massive, heavy, you know, hammer. So that's my goal is to find one of those, um, not so much to find the amount because we got the family going. Sure. So I'm just, I'm more focused on hitting where I know these bucks live. Um, the other buck is a, he's a actually a five by seven and his seven side. He looks like a moose. Like his, <laughs> his main beam is like sixes all the way up through, uh, the H four almost. Wow. And his, his other side is like super tall, like, 12. Um, so he's a weirdo, but either way there's, I know there's going to be four sheds out there. There are going to be eight around that mark. Um, so that's my focus this year is just, you know, not take so many miles out there. I can't do it. Just focus on the area where I know these bucks live and get there every week, every couple weeks, make sure I'm ahead of the other guy that also knows about these deer. So gotcha. Yeah, it sounds like yeah. you have some uh, very interesting genetics in your area. Definitely. Um, I have no idea, you know, as far as there's a lot of potato fields. There's a lot of, well, I guess, winter wheat. Um, in the wintertime, they don't, like, we've noticed, my dad and I, when it gets so deep in the snow, they'll completely abandon the fields. They can't, they can't get down to that food source. So they'll go back to the river bottoms and any other sort of brushy habitat they have. And they'll nibble on, you know, newborn willows, um, any sort of buds. And, you know, they're basically just like eating bark, like in Bambi the movie. It's kind of crazy. So you got to change your strategy completely based upon, um, how much snow has fallen that's going to determine where they're located, at least up here in the Northern States. Yeah. Well, that kind of transitions uh, into 
something else we were going to talk about. And I was wondering if you would share any uh, of your shed hunting tips. I mean, you kind of have been throughout the, the podcast, but um, like saying that they abandon fields. It's interesting for us just because like winter wheat is a big food source for our deer. Uh, and we, we don't have like potatoes or anything like you mentioned. Um, but uh, we don't have the, the snow coverage that you do either. So like you're seeing behaviors that uh, like me in Kansas would not have any idea. So is there any uh, shed hunting tips that you'd be willing to share with some listeners? Well, I mean, to be honest, I was hesitant to talk to you guys because the number one shed hunting tip is you don't talk, talk about shit. Don't, don't help anybody because the more other people find out about it and the more they know, uh, the less sheds we, you will find 100%. So it's, it's, it's amazing how much of a, uh, I don't know, like a secret society the shed hunting world is honestly, it's, it's like you're after gold on like, swear to God, it's like you're after gold in the form of a bone. White gold. So, right? That's right. Or brown. Well, I mean, brown you guys have more color up there. Ours are always, I mean, pretty bleached, uh, yeah. even when they're fresh, yeah. like we don't have a whole lot of color. No, I mean, it, it's kind of intermediate, intermediate here. Like you go up to Saskatchewan and you see the sheds they find there and stuff. And they're, they're all just like these dark, almost black chocolate. Chocolate, man. Yeah. They're, they're so pretty. Yeah. No, I mean, I have a few that I found that are like really dark brown, but we get them all like it's kind of a diverse range of color here based on what the, the deer are feeding on. Um, but getting back to what you were asking about with um, food sources right up here, it gets tricky. Like when I was saying there's two seasons, not just in Minnesota here, you know, but like North Dakota, Wisconsin, um, especially maybe Michigan too, those states that get more heavy snow cover um, this year, especially you get these beaten trails that the deer are not going to venture off of. So you have a better chance um, walking and finding more sheds when you're staying on that one trail, when there's heavy snow, um, as opposed to a different year when you have light snow coverage and they could shed anywhere. You know, they're walking wherever they want to go. They're not um, confined to this tiny little area where they're more comfortable walking. So, it can be good in a way and it could be bad in a way. It's good in a way because if you're the only guy that has access to a property in a snow cover year like this, you're going to find sheds so easily. You know, you're just going to walk the, the pounded trails in 20 inches of snow and that's all you have to do. You don't have to walk in that snow. We just stay in the deer trail and, you know, a few hours goes by and you got a dozen sheds in your hand. But the flip side is um, the other guy. You know, the other guy after the same thing you're after. So if you have a less snow covered year, I almost feel like it's an advantage if you're willing to walk farther and go the distance um, because you're competing for other antlers just like everyone else is. Sure. So, you know, the, 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 the lower snow cover up here, if you're the guy that's going to walk farther, you're going to find more. But, when there's more snow cover, it doesn't matter if you're the guy that's going to walk farther. You just have to be willing to walk. It doesn't matter the distance. You just have to be there at the right place at the right time. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's interesting. That does the, uh, your approach, did it change at all when you added a uh, penny? Yes. How yeah. so? Uh, well, strategically I would think about, a lot of places that I go to specifically they're near like highways or roads. I don't want her around those. Um, so I try to keep her as safe as possible, you know? Um, so those were completely out of the question when I got her, like she's not coming with me. If I'm going to go shit hunt near highway or freeway or road, which there are pretty, you know, there's a lot of spots that are hiding holes that people don't know about that are near that sort of thing, especially towards like here up in the twin cities. Um, I'm not going to bring my dog, you know, and that's just plain and simple, but bringing her out into like anything near river bottoms or anything out in, you know, just wild open areas. Um, yeah, she's going with, she's going with what made it better for me when I got Penny 
more so than just having a dog that can find antlers, right? Was that I have a friend with me. Like I don't, like I go with my dad all the time. My dad and I go together probably 75% of the time. Um, but either way, when I go with Penny, it's like, I got a buddy with me, you know, it's a support system. It's a motivator. It's not just, I'm on my own. Um, I don't know. It just, it just pushes you farther. It you know, gets it you out there you to begin with. Cause you know how much they're going to enjoy it. Oh, not only that, but like, if you don't get them out there, they're going to give you hell all day. <laughs> and yeah. you know, yeah, they're going to be full of energy and running around the house like fools and jumping on you. And I want to go, I want to go. And you know that, you know, so yeah. It's, yeah. it's that extra motivator to go. Yeah. So that, I mean, that alone in itself was the biggest game changer for me last year when we found her most. Um, was just that she was one and a half. She, you know, was primed. She's trained. Um, and, you know, she wasn't chasing rabbits half the time. She probably would have found more sheds, but <laughs> just just her getting me up, you know, let's go, Dad. Let's go. Let's get yeah. off your ass. We're going. And I couldn't say no. Yeah. You know, because. Yeah. I don't want a dog claw me in the face when I'm trying to sleep. <laughs> yeah. We, we always talk about like when we added dogs to our shed hunting, like it made those days, uh, like say if you get skunked, like it made it okay. Cause like worst case, like we went out for a walk with our dog in nature. Like and we, they still had a blast. Yeah. So yeah. like right. even those, those days that aren't successful in the woods, like they still feel successful and fulfilling, uh, at least for us. Yeah. 100% true. Yeah. No, you're totally right. I didn't even think about that. Like, yeah, I mean, you're just getting out there and at the very least, you're getting the energy out of your dog. You know, that, that's what they need. And that's the, what they're bred for. So, yeah. yeah. And you get to spend 100%. time in nature, which uh, is always refresh, refreshing for the soul. And uh, yeah, all around good. Yeah. So yeah. you trained Penny on your own, didn't you? Well, I mean, <laughs> you guys helped me a little bit with some advice, right? Um, no, I, but you I didn't watched, s- send to a trainer? No, I did not, no. Yeah. Um, I got her from a friend. So my dad is a uh, he's an official measure for the Shed Club of Minnesota. And a friend of his was a breeder of these dogs, this litter. They had 12 puppies. And um, another one was also another official measure. So these dogs previously had been bred for birds. And, um, when he told me about them, I was like, we have to go look, you know, Carl and I went up there and we opened the door and we see these 12 tiny little Labrador puppies. They were, uh, the dad was silver. He was a silver lab and the mom was chocolate. So you've got pretty much down the line, six and six. I mean, they were so freaking cute. I mean, even <laughs> if they didn't find sheds, I was like, okay, we're going to get one of these things. I don't care. Um, so yeah, but I, the thing is, I was very fortunate enough in an ironic way with Penny because I was working at a printing company in downtown Minneapolis at the time, and this was during COVID and the pandemic and all that stuff. And um, so the owner actually decided to close the company um, and let me go two days after I bought Penny. Uh, so in a weird sort of twisted serendipitous way, like I feel like it was meant to be because I got to spend all the time with her. You know, I, I didn't do anything wrong. The company closed. I mean, there were buildings burning down around us. There's riots. I mean, it was just, just ridiculous. Weird time. So, yeah. Oh dude, totally. Um, God help us. No, never going back to that. But, <laughs> um, you know, so, so I got let go for the first time and I was on unemployment and I had nothing better to do every day, but hang out with Penny. And, you know, we just brought her home. Like, so that's all I did. I just hung out with her and I, I watched YouTube videos, took advice from you guys. Um, we, I got a lot of advice from Doc and Kennels. They're up here in Minnesota. He's one of the most renowned, you know, shed trainers, I think out there mm-hmm. in the country. And, Yep. Um, we, I just put those tips and created my own sort of education for her 
and nurtured her for those two and a half months before I found my next job. And yeah, it stuck. So I feel like a point to be taken from that is the earlier you start the training and the more nurturing you are to that dog early in its life, uh, the more successful it will be. You build that bond right from the beginning. Right. That trust. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Well, a couple of notes on that. You, uh, you had the quote earlier of uh, when a door closes, God opens up a window. Uh, yep. So kind of a, kind of a window of opportunity there. Wouldn't you say? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's exactly, I mean, yeah. So that, that, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So now that you've been through the process with her, if you had to give our listeners just one tip for training their own dog, what would you tell them? Don't spoil them as much as I do. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, like I have, I have a, a close friend who has a bird dog trained for ducks and, um, he keeps that dog in the garage. It's kenneled, you know, it's obviously comfortable and huge and stuff, but that dog is just, I think so much more appreciative of being in the field and doing what it's, it's trained to do, um, as his job, as opposed to Penny. I mean, I, I love Penny, you know, she's, she is like my best friend. Right. But I was very soft on her. Um, and I was basically, I had the mentality, if you can go find sheds and you don't crap in my house or pee in the house, do whatever you want. <laughs> so she sleeps in bed with my wife and I, she sleeps on the couch, you know, she's the family dog, which I love. You know, I would rather yeah. have that anyway than a dog in a kennel. Um, but if you're very serious about disciplining your dog, you tell me your opinion after this, but if you're very serious about disciplining your dog, I would say you have to have a regiment, um, a strict almost schedule or um, routine with that dog as far as its behavior characteristics go. Am yeah, I wrong? No, no I, I agree. And I, I think there's a balance there. I like, think go ahead. We're, what we do is, we're very strict at the beginning. So when they're a puppy, like it's a lot more time in the kennel and till they learn the boundaries and kind of learn the rules of the game. But then once they get a little older, then we turn into softies and they end up in our bed as well. <laughs> yeah, sure. definitely. Uh, like you said, family dogs. Uh, and yeah, we, I mean, we want shed dogs and hunting dogs, but I mean, how many days of the year are you in the field versus like, sharing or making memories or sharing time in your house like they're they're house dogs so that's important yeah. too right right that's like a 10 90 year 20 80 swing you know yeah how, how would you feel if you're you know sleeping in bed and cozy and warm in your house and your dog's out in the kennel and it's you know 30 degrees and they're all by themselves like i don't know i just i grew up with a dog that was very close to us you know, a half English setter, half lab. And she was like the best family dog ever. Daisy was her name. And that's sort of kind of the approach I took with Penny when we got her was just, yeah, we want to train you. We want to make sure that you're enjoying your time and you have a purpose as a dog, but your purpose is not only to, you know, be love for this family, but you know, to have a mission to hunt. Like you're, you're here to hunt. Yeah. So, Yep. No, I, I agree with you 100%. Yeah. All right. Well, is there anything else we were going to ask Patrick tonight? No, I think that about wraps it up. Awesome. Patrick, thanks for joining us today on yes. this podcast. We, we really it appreciate it and enjoy your products and enjoy your, your, uh, your I'll take on life. Yeah. And I mean, video, just everything. So, uh, it was really an honor that you would join us, uh, on our podcast. Yeah, you guys, it's no problem. I'm I'm happy to be here, and I'm very thankful for you know, the tips that you you gave me throughout um, Penny's upbringing. They really did help a lot, you know. And uh, I'm just really thankful that you guys have partnered with us with Shed Pads for all of your events. And you know, I'm here when you need me, and 
vice versa, I hope. And I'm just really, really thankful. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy to have finally talked to you guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. time. So yeah, when you brought that up, I had to think, but yeah, we hadn't actually talked on the phone. That's uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Strange, but uh, yeah, people, people love your have a couple beers, you guys. open yes. invitation anytime. Absolutely. No, people love uh, your product. So we've, uh, we've enjoyed being able to share that with different shed hunters across uh, the Midwest. So that's been great. Yeah. And if you want to give a plug for where they can find your products or social media. Yeah, no, I mean, if you're on Instagram, it's just by first and last name, which by the way is Pedersen. Oh, oh, my apologies. <laughs> oh, I'm, Thank I'm you kidding. for clarifying that. But yeah, so Patrick, P-A-T-R-I-C-K-P-E-D-E-R-S-O-N at Instagram, right? On Instagram. Um, and then you can follow us on Facebook at Shed Peds. Just search Shed Peds, S-H-E-D-P-E-D-S. Um, or you can Google search uh, Invisible Shed Stands, which is the name of the company. Um, you can Google search shed pads or you can Google search shed displays and you will find our products. So thank you guys. Awesome. Excellent. Hey, thanks again for joining us, Patrick. Yeah, totally. Anytime, man. All right. Well, good luck this season and we'll, uh, we'll talk soon. Oh yeah, buddy. You guys too. All right. Thank you. All right. Bye. Bye. Well, thanks again for joining us for this episode. As always, if you guys have any questions, comments, or suggestions for future episodes, feel free to shoot us a message on any of our social media accounts. Yep. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you on the next episode. Bye, guys. White tail buck, red tail fox, brown tree snake, black tip hog, barnyard cats, junkyard dogs, it's a jungle out there, don't get lost. Sun in the sky, seeds in the ground, south wind spinning that windmill.